you know, the last verse of that. Could you give us the last verse of that in? The last verse that we just sang. It said, There shall be showers of blessing. Read it with me. If we both trust, trust, trust and obey, there shall be seasons of refreshing. If what? If what? If we let God have his way, many times we don't allow God to have his way. We want to do it our own way. Showers of blessing comes to refresh our lives. It comes because it is the covenant of God for two children. And the Lord said to us, he said, I know the thought that I think towards you, the thought of peace and not of evil. To give you a hope and a future. I want you to talk to somebody and say, I know your future is bright in the Lord. I know your future is bright in the Lord. And the Lord said, I will satisfy you. The Lord said to my dad, today, he said, I will satisfy that. No, he was praying. He was praying to God. He said, satisfy me early, oh Lord. Find your mercy. The mercy of God brings grace unto man. And when the mercy of God brings grace unto man, he releases favor. And I'd like to let you know that one day's favor from the Lord will terminate. It has a power, the tendency to terminate years of labor. Every form of labor in your life in my life, in our lives. I pray as we let God have his way, seasons of refreshing will overshadow it in the name of Jesus. Uh, it's a family satisfaction month. And my prayer for everyone here this morning, individually, is that pass me not by who tend to save you. The Lord will not pass you by. The Lord, the angel is here this morning to trouble the water. And when he troubles the water, the one that first gets it gets the miracle. So don't sleep. Don't, don't wander away. Be attentive. See the alert and see when the angel comes. So you can be. One of those that the Lord Himself visits and your visitation is visited in the mighty name of Jesus. We have been amazed this morning. Somebody that is a friend, the family and friends of this assembly is our friend. So, I mean, it's somebody I love so much. You know how much I love this wife as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, the entire family. So this is a satisfied financial planner. And he has been here before. And just like I said to some of you, this after you have heard everything that you hear this morning, ask questions. And then before you make any decision, you're running by pastor and say, Pastor, this is what I'm doing. So that's 
He will only be counseling us, giving us options. The decisions are always yours. I told you my story before, right? I made a decision to withdraw a huge sum of money because the market was going, 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 going down. And then I found out that I was wrong. Don't, don't be wrong. And you will not be wrong. Amen. This morning we have in our midst Apostle Elise Eliasin. If you will please put your hands together. His man is bringing the word. Reverend Emmanuel Eliasin. Put your hands together as you Church has the gifts of the Hallelujah. Amen. Like Pastor said, this is home for us. Amen. Amen. I see lots of faces that we know, the people that we love. Put your hands together for Jesus. Is Jesus Yes, you and I are where we are because of Jesus. He is our Savior. He's the one who has redeemed us. Amen? Amen. And so we first want to give glory to God. We want to thank Him for everything He's done. And we also want to appreciate the woman of God. I love you so much, woman of God. Put your hands together. Jesus' name. Amen. 
Uh, we title today's session Designing Your Family's Financial Satisfaction. And uh, it is important that we know, as the scriptures that was earlier on read by my wife and repeated about the team, about daughters of the Hufahad, they wanted to receive their portion. And they will not sit down and be quiet for the traditions and the systems of the day to dictate their destiny. Hallelujah. And we should not allow it either. Hallelujah. Uh, most of you know me, but uh, uh, the one thing that has changed since I came here uh, is the fact that I'm now a certified financial planner. And for that reason, everything else is about the same. For that reason, I have to give you this disclosure on the next slide. That the information I'm presenting here does not constitute the rendering of personalized financial or investment advice, but it's limited to the summation of general information and education on various financial topics. Yeah. Professional advisors should be consulted before implementing any of the ideas discussed. Yeah. The reason is that, <laughs> as says, now as a financial planner, I am under several other regulations. You know, suppose who are professionals in different fields. Uh, you say you're a fiduciary, a doctor, you're a lawyer, you have certain regulations from the state and the federal government, you have to abide by. So I'm here to teach the word of God, but to give you some practical tools as well. However, to implement any of these things, it's important that you sit down with a financial advisor, a professional, CP, or somebody. Hopefully, I'll be the person to do that for you. But uh, I want you to know it's important that you consult somebody to implement the ideas. Amen. Amen. Well, life is by design. Tell somebody life is by design. Nothing just happens just automatically like that. Things are designed. That's why we want to design our family's financial blessings and financial satisfaction. God is a God of design. If you see the whole world, the way the, way the world is, everything is designed. Nothing seems to be just random. Things that we think is always oh, by accident. No. There is a divine design behind everything. And as human beings, God has created it that way that things that happen in our lives, and especially we're talking about finance today, they work by designing certain things. So we want to teach a few things today. Most of them we have had some will be a revision, a few of them will be very good to you. But I want us to know that we have to take the responsibility to design our family's financial satisfaction. Nobody will do for us. God has given us all that it takes for blessing. It is up to us to take it and implement it in our lives. There are about three key components. If you are talking about your family's financial satisfaction or satisfaction in general, I see the area of our faith as a key component, the word of God, the preaching, the teaching, the prayer, everything that we do. Our family is of being satisfied. I'm sure we talk about many things, marital issues and, you know, relationship issues, sometimes even extended family members, but also uh, being able to have the contention and the satisfaction that we have in our way of our finance. These are three components that are critical. Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, he said that, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. We shall tap into God's grace to be really satisfied in every area. Now, Isaiah said in Isaiah 15, 11, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. 
and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Hallelujah. It says that your soul will be satisfied during droughts. You know, we are in a season where, in the terms of financial matters, things seem to be drowsy and a lot of drought in the market. And you know, things you, you open your 401k, everything is going south. You're wondering what's going on now. <laughs> well, God says, I will satisfy you. Amen. He will not leave us nor forsake in the middle of that situation. He is still with that. Hallelujah. Now, Genesis 8 22, I like the scripture says, While the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat. Winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. Amen. Even though things may be shaking around your life and in your finances, you may not be, you know, seeing some results you are looking for. Remember, the principles of life doesn't change. The world God has set in motion and He has set in place certain laws and principles that governs the world. And they, when it comes to your finances and our family's financial satisfaction. There are certain laws and certain things we have to understand that will govern those things. We want to go to some scriptures. We are looking at Jeremiah 9, 29, 11. It says that, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. Amen. We can be certain that God's plan for us is a plan of good. His desire to satisfy our families is a desire that is good. We have to understand how do we design this satisfaction by his grace, giving us his wisdom so that we can move forward and go forward in life. I like this John 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. There is nothing better than Jesus telling us that he is here to give us life. And life in abundance. Amen. That is a level of satisfaction you can expect from our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to our final. I'm laying some scripture foundations here. Work with me. John 8 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. When we know what scripture says about our lives when it comes to finances, and we understand the principles that govern how to design our family's financial future, things become easy. Yes, there be turmoils and you know, challenges and you know, situations all around. But when we have that plan, God has craft, helped us to craft it. No matter the storm that comes, we know that we are going to land well. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, you will land well. There are three outcomes, I believe, that will be whenever we have a life by design. When your life is by design, you will experience some financial freedom in your life. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the salvation we have, the spirit of God in us, that the grace that we have spiritually gives us that level of freedom. It also provides us with some financial freedom because now we can tap into the principles in the word, apply it in our lives, and experience the fruit thereof. Ah, this part I like very much. There is also time freedom. Say time freedom. Because one of our biggest challenges as Africans particularly, and I'm speaking here in an African ministry here, and it affects many other people as well, but for us sometimes it becomes so difficult in our bed to try to you know, experience the American dream. We double so much in our effort, our energy, we get so exhausted. 
So when they even the money comes, we can't even enjoy it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I believe a life by design will give us not only a spiritual freedom, the blessing that comes with it, the financial freedom, but we get our time back. Time with our wives and our children, our husbands, uh, and the time to even before to the work of the ministry. Sometimes we want to do something, but we don't even have the time to do that. I like Deuteronomy 8, 18. It says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. You know, at the end of the day, spiritual blessings from God and the material blessing thereof that comes, it is God's own plan for us to bless us, to confirm his promises concerning our lives. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, he said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. At the end of the day, everything we're talking about here will boil down to whether we do believe in what is written. We do believe in the principles that have been shared. We do believe in the power of God and we are willing to take that belief and make it work in our lives. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe and allow your mind to be transformed as Paul writes by the word of God, I can almost guarantee you that as time will permit, God himself will show himself mighty in the area of our finances. Proverbs 22, 7, at the end of the day, he says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We have a system of financial activities and that have been set in place in such a way that those who have the money, those who have the resources, those who, who control the resources of the world, seem to rule over those who do not. That is how the world is. You may say, well, it's unfair. I understand. I understand how you feel. But this is how it's organized down here on this planet. So if we want to really make an impact, we have to position ourselves to be the ones who control the resources who control the power, who control decision-making, who control how things are done so that our values will translate into these areas of life. Now, I'll be touching on three key areas, very simply, to explain the family satisfaction financially. I believe that we have to talk about our income, say income with me. We have to talk about investment, say investments. And we have to talk about insurance, say insurance. Very simple. If you can master only these three areas about money and finance here in the United States, I believe you'll be on very good standing. It's not everything we've got to know, but this, these are three key elements that can really make a difference. So with income, you realize that there is this man called Robert Kua, Chelsea. You know, we have income, in investment, and insurance. We'll go back to the quote uh, by Robert. He said that it's not how much money that you make, but how much you keep how hard it works for you and how many generations you keep it. I like to keep this in presentations a lot because it teaches us something critical. That at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you're making, but actually how much you're actually keeping of what you make and how it's impacting generations to come. If we make a million dollars in a year and we spend a million dollars, we are at the same place, <laughs> nothing has changed. Hallelujah. So you can say you're a millionaire, but if you're spending all your millions, I didn't know that, you know, there's nothing changing. So we have to learn when it comes to income, how do we generate income and actually keep as much of it 
and then be able to kick some for the generations to come. And I think I may have said this before, let me throw it on the screen one more time. This survey that was shared uh, not too long ago about looking at the hardest working immigrant population groups in the United States. And when we find a chart, I see most of us here are Nigerians. Nigeria is in the chart right here. And it says that we are very hardworking, Ghanaians being on top. Now, the fact of the matter is that it's not just about, oh, we are hardworking. I always ask, if we are that hardworking, where is the money? If we are working so hard, where is the money to show forth that we work so hard? Well, because truly speaking, it's not just about the hours we put in. It's about how much value we get from those hours that we are putting in. That's why I want to encourage you, if you don't have this book, on the next slide, Robert Kowalski, his book, Read That Poor That, is a must read for everyone. I believe that we have to read that book because it teaches you some very basic principles about money and how to grow money, how to act or treat investments and the basics of money. And a key component of what he talks about is about looking about who you are when it comes to income. On the upper left-hand corner on your screen, he says, you may be an employee when it comes to income generation, which means that you, you just have a job. If you have a job, you exchange your time for money. There's no problem with that. It's okay. We all start that way. But the fact is that if we exchange our time for money, we are only limited by the number of hours there is in the day. If we have only eight hours, we can't stretch it. It does eight hours. So to be able to generate more income within eight hours, the only thing you have to do is to make your value high. If you're being paid $15 or $20 an hour, then you have to figure out how do I make myself so valuable that I can be paid 30 or 40 or $50 an hour within the same number of hours. That is how, as an employee, you can make a difference to increase your income. Okay? If you could do that, you know, you can take some classes or certifications, whatever your job requires, so you can upgrade yourself and then command more income within your company or somewhere else. The next, on the lower left hand corner, is you may, if you're not an employee, you are self employed. A self employed person basically means that you have your own work. Maybe you are a seamstress, or you are a lawyer, you have a small practice, or you have something where you control your time. Nobody tells you what time to go to work or come home. So in that respect, you have some control over the time. However, what happens is that everything is dependent on you. Let's say if, if, if you run, if you say a seamstress, or you're a hairdresser, you have a shop, well, if you're the only one doing the job, then if you, you are not there to play the hair, or if you are a lawyer, if you're not the only one going into the court with your client, then everything is only dependent on you. If you are sick and you can't go to work, your income will stop. Okay? So whereas being self-employed is an advantage, it limits you because you are the you are always your job. You are the job. Hallelujah. So it's good if you are employed or as an employee and you have an opportunity to either change your status, become self-employed, or you add 
a small opportunity where you have something you do as a self-employed person in addition, that's great. That's your next dimension. Now, on the upper right-hand corner, we have what we call business. And when there is a business or you have the business, it is run by systems. Basically, you don't have to be there physically in person. You put together systems or processes, accounting systems, inventory systems, you know, human resource systems, you know, manufacturing systems, systems, and they run, and then they generate income for you. It doesn't depend on you or anyone individual. This is the level that most people who are financially blessed to the highest degree possible, we can imagine, that's where they are, where they own businesses. You may say, well, you know, Pastor, I cannot, you know, have a big business, I can't have big systems. No, there are certain kind of businesses where there are systems like that in place, you can tap into it, buy into it, and have an ownership position in a business where systems are running it. You don't have to be there. That is where wealth is created the most in the United States and around the world. And the upper right, lower uh, right-hand corner is the investor, whereby you take some of your money, whether you are employee, or you are self-employed, or you have a business, and you invest. In other words, you put your money to work. Let the money generate more money for you. This, I believe, is one of the most important things we all have to understand and see how to transition or move ourselves at one point or the other, from one state to the other, so that we can increase our income. Again, we are dealing with income here first on this. Now, when we get an income, we can do one or three things. We can get a set it for immediate needs, we can have some emergencies, or we can keep it for the future use. These are the three key areas. At the end of the day, you realize that family financial satisfaction, it impacts us in diverse ways. And family and marriages are one of the areas where there's a huge impact. This over on the screen shows that there's what we call financial unfaithfulness. We all may be familiar with, you know, infidelity, sexually honored in marriages, but part of the issue is that sometimes there is financial unfaithfulness where couples don't want to even talk about money. Huh? It's like, well, I make my money, I keep my money, you keep your money. You know. Well, if we cannot even talk about money or at least have a discussion, then where is the marriage going? Hallelujah. So this book is talking about how about say two in five couples say they admitted to have committed financial infidelity. In other words, some of them said they were hidden bank accounts and bills and cash and statements from their spouses. In fact, a lot of the prayer we pray about for marriages, if we are to deal with the financial problem, man of God, most of the prayer comes to go away. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's watch out for the importance of dealing with money issues amongst us as couples, learning how to discuss and talk about it. I'll gloss over this. When you talk about income, keeping your income is, is important. But one of the things that happens is that if you have to pay interest on money that you are using for one reason or the other, your credit's a lot of time a big part of it. Now we talk on a full summary on how to do that, improve or build your credit. However, please understand that because we live here in the United States, the system is designed also to use that credit. Now, 
You say, well, Pastor, is it a good thing as a Christian to even have credit? Well, <laughs> let me explain the verse for you. When somebody say a company says they are giving you credit, first of all, you should know that there are a couple of different aspects when you have a credit. When you have a credit or credit card to just spend on goods and services, that is not what we're talking about. That is not a good use of what we call a credit. When you have ability to be loan resources or finances to do some investment or acquire some assets, okay, that will generate income or increase in value, let's not promote that. Because the simple explanation that a financial institution is trusting you, if they say they'll give you credit, you say, we trust you so much, we'll give you a million dollars to do business or to buy a house and you pay us back over a period of time. You understand know what I'm saying? Basically, you are using other people's resources or money. In fact, I don't know, in Ghana, we call something susu. What do you call it in Nigeria? Like, if of, oh, the same thing? Oh, okay. So, literally, credit is like a, a grand scheme, susu on steroids. That's Hallelujah. It's susu on steroids with systems in place to monitor everything. So, know what your credit is and improve it as you go along. So, with that, let's shift to investments. We say one of the three things income, investment, and insurance. Let's shift investment quickly. This part of it is, is very critical. I've mentioned as a pastor, we know we have to pay our tithes for kingdom investment, give offerings, and honor our vows. That goes a long way to help us stay in the church. There should be financial strength for the church on the next screen. The financial strength is important. Honoring and rewarding our pastor is very important. And taking care of our personal and financial needs as families is critical because. At the end of the day, when we come to church, we have the blessing, we feel excited, you know, all of that that we do here, it takes money, is that right? Paying the bills and all that, but if we don't honor that part of it, from a spiritual standpoint, we are not contributing to the things we are receiving here. So that's important on the first basis. Now, Warren Buffett says, someone is sitting in the street today because someone planted a tree long time ago. When you talk about investment, it's a long time process. A lot of times, most of us, we want to pay how I'm going to make it. I mean, I'm broke. People are back home, you know, thinking, you know, I'm not in this. So you are trying to get the next thing to make yourself rich. Well, you may, you know, come across something. But majority of time, investments takes time. You have to work the process. Okay. There is one thing called the rule of 72 in investments, whereby... You have to understand how do you increase or double your money. As a simple example, let's say for the rule of 72, basically it says how many years it will take for you to double your money and set at a certain given interest rate. So let's assume that, and the, the, the formula is 72 divided by an interest rate is to the number of years. Okay. So on the next slide, let's assume something somebody called Mr. John, he has $10,000. And then it says, okay, there's an investment opportunity that will give you 8% per annum when you invest in it. It means that Mr. John can double his $10,000 to become $20,000 within a period of nine years. How? By dividing 72 by eight, that gives us nine. So if somebody came to you say, hey, I have this business deal, hey, okay, let's try this, it's going to work. Okay, tell me, okay, how much interest is it? And then it takes 
figure out how many years it's going to take to double that money. Just do that math. 70 to divide by interest rate, you see how many years it's going to take. And see whether you are willing to take that opportunity, that risk for your family financial satisfaction to make sure that money grows to that extent. So that's an important principle to know in the area of finance and investment. I don't want to there are several, several types of investment vehicles that you can choose. And today from this pulpit, I cannot recommend you do X, Y, or Z because every one of us, our situations are different. Our circumstances are different. We have different, we have something called your risk tolerance. How, how do you tolerate risk or how do you respond when money goes out of your pocket or comes in, you know? So, but there are different, different types, whether it's in a house, in a mutual funds, IRAs, annuities, are different types. Now, at the end of the day, on the next slide, whatever investment you choose to invest in, there is a, an aspect of growing money or our relationship with money that is psychological in nature. It's about the mind, the attitude, the behavior, how we respond to changes in our pockets. There are some people, you know, if God were to bless them today, who want to go? They won't come to church again. We know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we have not grown ourselves to contain the blessing. The emotional strength of the fortitude has not been developed yet. So there are several emotional, I would say, roller coaster that goes along with this. Sometimes it starts with being optimistic. You know, and then comes, you're so excited. Oh, this is great. And then suddenly you, you become excited about it, frees you, and you get to the point and the peak that is like euphoria. It's like you can fly, literally. Well, guess what? When things begin to, you know, shake a little bit, you begin to doubt yourself. That's why you see the curve coming down. You deny. So, ah, no, no, this one is not going to happen. Ah, you become anxious. And then fear sets in. Oh, before you realize, now you are depressed literally, you are panicking, and you are literally out of your mind. And that is where you are like at your low point. And you become skeptical. It's like, oh, this 419, I'm never going to get myself involved in it. <laughs> because you have been burnt one or two times and you don't want to get into it. You become skeptical. You know, human being anyway, you're on the edge. So you begin to start to be hopeful and relieved, and now you become optimistic again. You see, there's that roller coaster that we go through. But if you don't know where you are in the roller coaster stage and how to manage that feeling, that emotion you have towards the money situation or the investment situation, you may go so fast or come out so quickly and you never get anywhere. So we have to be cognizant of it. And that's what we do as financial professionals. We help you to manage those stages of your life emotionally when it comes to your money. So because if there's a plan and you're working with nothing is guaranteed, we know that. Okay. However, if you have a plan and you're working through the process, it's easy to be able to go through the process, align yourself, make adjustments so you can hit your goals at any point in time. These are important emotions about investing that we have to be cognizant of. Now, as we talk about this, there is this survey that was done that shows the impact of missing the best days of the market. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor, what stock should I invest in? Or when should I invest in the market? Or what should I do? Well, guess what? 
according to this research done, you know, just like a couple of years ago, actually last year at the end of the research done, it says that if you invested, let's say, oh, a certain amount of money, say, I think it's $400,000, and added for the whole, oh, it's 100000 actually, the initial investment is 100000 for the whole of the 10-year period, okay, you invested that money and stay invested for 10 straight years. Your money would have grown from 100,000 to 416,000 as a change. But if you miss 10 of the best days of the stock market, your money would have been 257,000 as a change. If you miss 20 of the best days of the stock market, your money would have been only 191,000 as a change. If you miss 30 of the best days of the stock market, your money will have been 151,000. And if you miss 51 of the best days, you will have actually lost money. The 100,000 will just be 98,000 as a change. So basically, this is teaching us that there is a plan, there's a strategy, there's a system that is set in place that you have to understand how to plan your investments because everything will happen at all times that you may not even understand. But if you have a long-term plan, it's easy to deal with these situations and get the best out of your investment. Of course, you have immediate needs on the short-term basis, and medium-term basis. However, in the overall scheme of things, if we know how to stay on track with our plan and adjust accordingly, it will help us do better in the long run. Now, we are Africans here, and I want to show this that the reason why whites tend to have more wealth in general than blacks is because, according to this research, for the most part, number one, is what our source of earnings are, our spending in housing or real estate. Those three combined constitute about 58% of what explains the gap between those wealthy and the least wealthy. Mostly the racial wealth gap, those who are white and the uh, other nationals and minority. Most, the next biggest impact is coming from how we participate in company retirement plans like 401ks and other retirement plans. 25% of the difference is coming from that area. 11% is coming from how we allocate our assets. In other words, what kind of thing we invest in. Most of us, you know, we, sometimes we don't know. We want to invest, I don't know, what should I do? So I, I will send my money back to Lagos. You know, <laughs> somebody said there was a project there, maybe I'll try that. There's nothing wrong with that. But truly speaking, we have to know if you want to maximize here an opportunity here, how do we find the right resources and the right investments to allocate our money into? 2.7% is coming from this appreciation and interest rate, and only 1.5% explains the difference related to inheritance. Oh, oh. A lot of times, if I was surprised, because we always thought, well, you know, the white folks, you know, the, the, man, the, the parents give them a lot of money, but in reality, it's very minimal. Yes, they do take those right, insurance a lot seriously, but the gap, the reason for the gap, insurance or health or only inheritance from their parents is a minimum contribution. The biggest contributor factor is how we earn our spending, our 
possession of real estate and things like that, and also how we participate in investment in, in retirement account for one case, including also how we allocate assets. This is what the research says. It doesn't matter what other people are telling you, how you feel about it. Numbers don't lie. Mm. Now, if you put it on the next, it says that when it comes to the allocation of assets for investments, we find that a lot of time the blacks, we put a lot of money in safe account like CDs, okay? And then they want to put like 10%. When it comes to mutual <laughs> funds and stocks and that, we, may, we are like 9.4%. The white people put like 37%, you know? And then stocks, yeah, 31%, 35%. Bonds, you know, we are not there. The whites are 12%. Savings, 6%. Casual policies, 25%, white 5%. Now, this explains because a lot of times it's a good starting point for most of us. It's good because we start to save. But the interest rate sometimes, now there are a few programs that some of us we have that have higher interest rates because the interest rate is so near that the stocks and mutual funds tend to be higher interest rate versus, say, casual policies. These are mostly, you know, some of the old programs. Uh, but there are a few ones that can also be competitive. But the point is that we have to know there are different tools available to us. I'm going to wrap up the investment and move quickly and talk briefly about some of the insurance things and we can ask questions. On the next, it's showing us that black market or stock market participation has been very low over the centuries. Almost every time, we don't actively get involved in the stock market. That's all that is the same. And on the last slide, there are this important research that is showing that those who seek professional help to manage their 401k for where they work, on the average, they tend to get about 3% better over a period of time. So if somebody had an investment in a 401k investment of about 200,000 to start with, and they were managed by themselves without an advisor over a period of 20 years, the money would have been maybe about $641,000. If they get an advisor like myself to help them, whilst you're working, we're helping you manage your 401k, that money will grow up to about $1.1 million. That's about close to $500,000 extra. Thankfully, you know, part of why we've taken our time to improve our craft and go to school and increase our knowledge is to be able to provide a service to the community. Uh, we are now able to help you manage your 401k account professionally wherever you're working. In the, those times, you have to stop working on before we can help you. But even now, wherever you work, if you have a 401k account and you need help to manage that account to be much more efficient, this is something that we can offer help for even as we speak today. At the end of the day, when you make money, make enough of it, save enough, and invest appropriately because we all have stages in our retirement account or in our lives, we'll be accumulating at some stage on the next slide, we'll at some point have to, you know, use our money during our retirement years and then leave some behind for legacy. Because when it comes to retirement, we call it like a stool, a three-legged stool. Your personal savings is an important one, social security income is an important one, and your employee pension or 401k, these are the three elements that during retirement you have to have your sources of income from. We have to start early so we can make it work for us. So I'll move on through the next two slides. Uh, smart order of money, I'll skip that because I may have talked about it. Let's go to insurance protection quickly and then we'll wrap up. 
Proverbs 13, verse 22 says that a good person leaves an inheritance for their children, children, but a sinner's world is sold out for the righteous. The point is that if you want to be able to take off our families, we have to protect ourselves. Most of the time, people say, well, insurance means you want me to die or what? No, no, no. It's just the right thing to do. It's like the basics of any financial plan. Insurance can be, you know, there are some of the social ones where we help each other as employer base or something you own individually. You can be self-insured, you can have a social insurance, so you can, you know, partner for insurance companies to do that strategically. Some insurance programs now have what we call little benefits. In case you fall sick, they are able to help you do that. And one thing we have done is for the African community, we have put together a special program for Africans. We call it EFFT, African Financial Building Trust. That allows associates in churches and members of the community to get a group insurance rate. It's just a pure insurance where so can, everybody can get something for themselves. In fact, we are going to the extent of having one that is guaranteed for anyone under the age of 66. We are working on some for uh, those about 66. They get protection, 20,000 coverage for like $5.44. Okay, but we are working to have a whole group of Africans together to be able to issue the policy to all of us. So anyway, finances like building your house, trying to have a financial freedom for your family, financial satisfaction takes work, and we have to work on that. We have to take some actions and take it now because it takes time to get these things going. And there are several action steps, managing your money, protecting your what you own, for the next like providing cash value, having you know, retirement accounts and all kinds of investment that are appropriate for all of us will make a huge difference. I'll stop here and open up for questions, but I'm sure you know some of the questions we may not answer. You know, if you want us to be able to maybe go over a few things you've mentioned before, you know, a few ideas you've tossed is kind of getting you thinking. I want you to just go ahead and text your your name to the number on the screen, 7205751505. So we can set some time and go over a few things, particularly those who have your 401ks, other retirement accounts, we have some other investments, you are wondering what do I do with all that's going on in the market? How do I truly provide that financial satisfaction to my family in a practical sense? How can I start? How small can I start? I believe that we can all take some action to make sure we can do what we do to protect our families and build a good future and be what God wants us to be. Amen. I'll open it up for questions at this point before I sit down. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, my first question, I have two questions. Uh, my first question based on the festivities. For example, like for one day, as this is going up every day in this country and all the world, what's going to happen to a four one at the end? That is the first question. Um, the question is, for example, I use it like a four one day or other investment. Are things going up every day in everywhere in the world? What's going to happen to our 401k? You're talking about prices of things going up. Oh, okay, inflation. Okay, good. So, you know, your, your 401k, you know, you don't have control over yourself, you know, what the market does. But as we 
work on a plan, you can make some adjustment. Now, inflation or price of things going up is something that none of us can control. The government, you know, has to take some initiative. So the easiest answer to the question is that we don't know. However, we can make some plans and prepare in the areas that we can control, like our budget, you know, our income, what kind of, you know, safe investment or how we shift our plans to accommodate the changes going on in the economy in general. So no matter as things go up price-wise or things come down, if we, we are working within a specific plan, it ends up helping us prepare for the scenario, whether it's good days or bad days. But otherwise, unfortunately, the answer is we don't know. But we can make some plans and make sure that we are well prepared for the worst case scenarios in our plans. Good morning, sir. Thank you for your, um, all your knowledge and all that you have said so far this morning to enlighten our hearts. And my question is, is you said before that if you invest money, let's say you invest 100,000 and you miss 30 days, 51 days, and because you miss the best days of the market. Is that doesn't mean that some people invest long-term, they don't do daily trading. So how do you know that you miss those best days and how to avoid them? That's one. Two, what is the benefit of this insurance policies, life insurance, with the living benefits or the, uh, the opportunity to invest part of what you're contributing to generate money for you? All right. So whether you are doing day trading, active trading, or you are a long-term investor, knowing what the best days are, you know, we wish we all knew. Nobody knows. We only know in hindsight. In hindsight. However, if you're working within a plan and you have a strategy, as it's, you just showed, then based on your investment plan and philosophy and your risk tolerance and everything, you are going to come out on top because you are working within a plan on a long-term basis. So somebody, of course, some people make money, you know, just get in, get out on a short-term you know, term basis. It doesn't necessarily mean that when you are long-term uh, investing, you don't make adjustments. You do make adjustments. You know, strategic allocations can be made. We call something rebalancing. But it's done in a way to align to what your overall plan is. So nobody can know what the best days are to be able to avoid the worst days of that or to make sure you take part of the best. The only way to do it is to stay invested strategically based on your personal goals, your priorities, your investment, your philosophies, and all the key elements that a professional can help you do. So fortunately, that's the answer to that. In terms of the cash policies, they are policies that have great benefit in terms of, for example, in case you especially want, you have a need for life insurance, and you have a hard time to save them because of how structured where your contribution automatically has portion of going to savings, it allows you to be able to save automatically. Obviously, it's not the only investment vehicle. Nonetheless, it's one of the best starting points for most people who have a hard time, who need insurance policies, who want something that is you know, permanent in nature, 
but also would like to save along the way to make sure that they have some cash that they can access. So the value is being able to have the living benefit in case someone would fall sick in it and also building up the insurance cash if it's appropriate based on their specific need and also helping them meet their long-term goal. But otherwise, thankfully, it's only one of many tools that is available to you to use at any point in time. Hope that helps. Thank you, sir. I have two questions. Uh, the first one is about time living benefits. Um, for time living benefits, some people suggest 20 years, 30 years. What is your, as a financial expert, what is your, uh, how would I put it, depending on the age, because it goes by age. So once you are 59, 57, <laughs> the insurance or whatever, they don't kind of invest in you. So what time are you looking into? What, 20 years, 30 years to invest in the time, time living benefits. That is the first question. Second question is about retirement. Is it wise to finance your retirement or to save for your retirement? What do you mean by financial retirement? Like uh, Roth IRA. That's uh, Okay, so for the term life insurance, you, you take a term insurance based on the specific need you have. Maybe you want, you want to protect yourself for the next 10, 20, or 30 years, depending on the need. Perhaps you are a young family, you know, and you don't make a lot of money now. You have young kids. In case something happens, how do you take care of the kids? So a term policy for 10, 15, or 30 years may be appropriate for that. So the term will depend on the person's objective, why they want it. Is it for a period of time because they want to cover in case something happens, their young kids are taken care of or whatever the goal may be. So there is a place for that, depending on, again, what a goal is and how much time they want that to cover. Term insurance doesn't have any return of cash in any way. It's just to protect you. So that's the answer to that. It depends on the specific goal that you have for yourself. Now, as to using a Roth uh, investment or a saving, there are, again, different investment vehicles. Roth, say Roth IRA is one option that allows you to save in a tax-free environment if you go by the specific rules around it. But I believe that you have to combine several options, including maybe putting some money away in the property account or other type of investments. So if your income level allows you to be able to put into a Roth account, it's a good way to do it because it becomes tax-free down the road if you obey those specific rules. However, it's not the only one. Roth is one. You can also use other type of mutual funds and other things. Because Roth is just a classification of a tax on the money. Okay? I uh, hope that answers that question. Thank you, sir. Um, thank you for uh, the education. I just have a question. If I have $5,000 to invest today, is there a better invest sector to invest in? Okay. The, the, the sector to invest in will depend on your personal investment profile because hence your goals and your objectives. Because somebody may say, you know, I, I want to invest in domestic you know, companies or some international. Uh, so before we do put money anywhere, we go through 
work on risk analysis and investment profiles, do all of the due diligence on you as a person, as an investor, before the money is put in the place that suits or you know aligns with your personal goals. There are some people who don't invest in certain things, you know, because of the beliefs and you know, things like that. So the sector that you put your money will depend on again who you are as an investor, what kind of person you are, and through those analysis and uh, the various evaluations, we can determine how best to allocate the funds for you to give you the returns based on your risk. We call it risk tolerance. You know, how you are able to tolerate making money or losing money at any point in time. So there are sectors all over, but uh, you have to just do it based on your specific unique situation. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Uh, I just have one more question. Uh, my question is, like somebody want to open a brand new business right now. So what? So, Because the expectation on the business and so on at this current situation in the whole world and with the country right now. Also, what the position be expecting that can happen to the business that is over. And it is all the business are uh, profitable this time around. Good question. The interesting answer is question first. You know, every season is a season of opportunity. To be very honest, in fact, right now, they say the stock market is on sale. All businesses are on sale, okay? Because when things are so bad, those who have learned to save and invest, in, they have the resources to take opportunity of when everybody's, oh, things are bad, oh, you know, everything's going down, Jesus is coming tomorrow. Well, we don't know when he's coming, but the fact is that the opportunity is there at any point in time, depending on what you want, how you want to go about it, and what kind of work you want to do. You can always find an opportunity in any situation you find yourself in. That is truly the fact. And then somebody wants to open a business today, what do they want to expect? Well, every business is different, for sure. So I, I would say start on the fact that you put your mind and your heart to know us, especially if you're talking to Christians here, you believe that all things are possible to him who believes. Yeah. If you want to start a business, maybe yeah. a healthcare business, you know, a transportation business, whatever business you want to start, you've been in prayer, they come into Saturday morning prayer, put it under the altar, pray, hallelujah, all nights, whatever. Now, put the plan together, the business plan together, do your due diligence and go for it. There may be some challenges in the way, but like, if you believe and you don't quit and you press on, there can be a challenge. I don't want to preach again, I'm over. Hallelujah. It is well. I think uh, somebody else again. <laughs> I have another question. Uh, so, so I have a question. My question is, you didn't mention this, but if you can explain to us, what is the difference between life insurance and index universal life? Okay. Oh. Life insurance is life insurance. Yeah. 
The broad term is life insurance. Mm. It's basically paying beneficiaries a sum of money if somebody passes away. That is the primary definition of life insurance. There are many flavors or many options of that. No matter how you slice or dice it, there are only two types of life insurance. A term insurance, like you asked earlier on, for short term, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, we doesn't grow money. It's like renting a house, so to speak, is that right? Yeah. After the time is done, it's expired. So let's continue with the issue of the higher price. Or a permanent insurance, which is designed normally to last the last rest of the life, usually up to 100 years. Some policies like 120 years. What you're talking about is IUL index universal life. It's a type of cash value or permanent insurance policy. All it is is that rather than maybe the company paying what we call dividend, like they make money, they give you some, we call it dividend, like a whole life policy, which is a permanent policy. The index just like policy basically gives you interest based on how the stock market is performing, even though your money is not directly in the stock market. That's all that it is. And I can kind of explain it with illustrations if I were to talk to you on private base. But that's all it is. It's a type of payment or casual policy that pays you interest based on how the market is. That's it. So do you lose if the market is like the inflation now? Do you lose money with the index? Universal life? Normally, most policies, they have what we call the zero is a flaw, whereby if the market is going down, you don't lose anything from your money. But inflation, like you said, basically is affecting everyone. If you have $10 in this inflation, your money may decrease. You don't lose, per se, for losing the market, but the value of it goes down because of inflation, no matter what the, where the money is. Okay? And for those who are also parents, if you have a child who is maybe two years or under born after 2020, there's a program to save here in Colorado for the child for college education. But the state will give you match you a thousand dollars per year if you put in a thousand dollars for the next five years. And you know, it's an important program that you know if you want to take advantage of it, uh, we can help you set it up. All right. Thank you.